Hi, this is Rabbi Avi Killip, and this is Vows That Divide. Annulling our vows is a strange way to start a communal day of atonement. And yet, we come together in the moments before Yom Kippur to recite Kol Nidre. Quote, all vows, obligations, oaths, or anathemas, pledges of all names, which we have vowed, sworn, devoted, or bound ourselves to, they shall not be binding nor have any power. Promising not to keep our word seems like a particularly lousy way to enter into a day of judgment. Wouldn't we prefer to be a people who honors our vows? The Talmud doesn't think so. Masachat Nedarim, the book of Talmud devoted entirely to the subject of vows, has a surprising focus. Instead of teaching how to make and keep one's vows, it is primarily filled with speculations of various ways to get out of a neder. The rabbis ask how each vow might be nullified or rejected. They wonder, where are the loopholes? What new circumstance might make a vow obsolete? What might the vower not have known which would have prevented them from taking this vow? This preoccupation with annulling of vows is rooted in a rabbinic belief that vows are inherently problematic. In Nadarim 77b, the severity of vows is made explicit. He who vows, even though he fulfills it, is a designated sinner. Nadarim 22a takes this idea one step further, claiming that fulfilling a vow is actually an even worse offense. Rabbi Natan said, one who vows is like one who builds an unauthorized altar, and one who fulfills a vow is like one who sacrifices on it. This is a powerful and somewhat perplexing image. Why is taking a vow sinful? And even if you grant that taking a vow is considered a sin, once you have taken a vow, wouldn't it be better to fulfill it rather than trying to avoid responsibility for it? The answer to this question can be found in a third, even more fundamental question. If vows are sinful, why do people make vows in the first place? What motivates the taking of these vows? The main reason given in the Talmud for the taking of a vow is as an expression of anger. The Talmud is filled with stories of vows made in anger. In each story, an individual vows not to interact with another person or thing in the usual ways. A typical Mishnah in Nadarim reads, There is no difference between one who vows not to benefit from his friend and one who vows not to benefit from his friend's food, except for walking in his field and borrowing his utensils, which are not used for food. One who vows not to benefit from his friend's food may not borrow a sifter or a sieve or a mill or an oven, but may borrow a robe or a ring or a garment or a nose ring or anything that people don't make food in. In a place where they rent items similar to the ones he wants to borrow, it is forbidden even to borrow them. When we step back from the details of the different vows described here, it is clear that the primary goal, and certainly the result, of each of these potential vows is the disruption of the relationship. Upon taking this vow, these two individuals can no longer eat together. They cannot work together. They are forbidden from sharing. Their ability to live together in community is essentially destroyed. 
In these stories, vows are tools used to build a divide between oneself and the greater world. In many, if not most of the Talmudic episodes, the vow is made in haste and is usually regretted later on. In instances where there is no regret, the rabbis find creative ways to induce feelings of regret in order to release the vower from the commitment. These vows are dangerous because they drive people apart. They create unnecessary barriers which prevent the community from functioning smoothly. People are meant to interact fully with God's world. In fulfilling vows like these, we are cutting ourselves off from God's world and from the other people with whom we share it. Repeatedly, the text reminds us that vows are to be taken seriously. In several places, we read that although something might be technically okay, we should refrain from publicizing a leniency for fear that people will begin to be careless with vows. Once a person has taken a public stand, it cannot be retracted without a process. When we choose to build a wedge between us and the world around us, that wedge is still going to be there in the future unless we actively remove it. And in most cases, we can remove it. Vows are serious and powerful, but they are not inescapable. We are encouraged, almost required, to do what we can to be released from the vow or to find a way to circumvent it and restore the connection. When we hear the words of Kol Nidre as referring to these vows, the vows that divide us, we can understand its placement at the start of Yom Kippur. Publicly annulling and negating our vows is not about a lack of integrity or an unwillingness to live up to our word. Rather, it is a call to let our feuds and grudges fall away. It is an opportunity to lower our walls and interact in a more fluid way with our community and environment. Today, even those of us not worried about official nidarim or halachic vows, have our own versions of anger-induced interpersonal divides. We have friends and colleagues and even family members with whom we do not communicate. We have places we refuse to set foot and people we refuse to call. During the month of Elul, we make our best effort to bridge these gaps and repair broken relationships. Kol Nidre is the last step in this process. In the last moments before Yom Kippur, we reject our vows as a community. In the moment of Kol Nidre, we finally and completely tear down the last remaining walls, reject our divisions, and begin to pray together as one whole community. Shana Tova.